Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Why sure, you old bean, it's tingling. Let me tell you a story about my old rich life that's very boring. <laughs> oh my goodness. So listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And we are rapidly approaching the end of the season of Spider-Man the Animated Series, the 90s show that we've been covering for a while now. And the episode that we're watching today is, I guess, relatively... Well, it's super easy to find if you have Disney+, Plus, but it is also one of the episodes that is on the Return of the Green Goblin DVD that we mentioned previously. Um, And of course, you can purchase it digitally all over the place. So if you wanted to follow along with us, you could certainly do that. You really could, you old bean. You old bean. (laughs) old bean. (laughs) I don't know why... (laughs) That uh, that just stuck with me so much. Yeah, um, when you thought of something like pretty much on the spot, that's certainly not what I would have would have guessed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah. Could you tell nice. that that was not a prepared response, and I just sort of pulled that out of my ass? I think it sounded a lot more prepared than you think it did. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's like, is he Good. reading from a script? Nope. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I just like uh, I just like Jason Phillips or Jason Mackendale. Do saying, you like Jason you Phillips Mackendale? No, I like him saying you old bean. <laughs> Although I do I have I I have positive thoughts about uh about how he's portrayed in this episode. I think it's kind of a full talk about it. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. The episode we're talking about is Spider-Man the Animated Series, season three, episode thirteen, entitled The Sins of the Fathers, Chapter Thirteen, Goblin War Exclamation Point. Get hyped how many other times an exclamation point is ever in this show. I wonder if this is the only title that has it, but we'll find out. I'm pretty sure it is to this point. Yeah. To this point it is. And it might be in the whole series, but I might be misremembering one of them. Um, There's another one there might, might be, we'll get to it at least right now. Exclamation points in titles are rare. So it's fun that this one has it. Mm -hmm. Synopsis for IMDb is the hobgoblin returns this time with the time dilation accelerator. The Kingpin turns to Norman Osborn, who created the Hobgoblin, for help. But when the Green Goblin takes over, it's war. It's war! War! The original air date is November 16th, 1996. It was written by Mark Hoffmeyer and Marty Eisenberg. We've talked about them both recently, so not much else to say this time around. Yes, and this is large... I mean... this episode and next episode, this is like the penultimate episode of the season. It's not technically part one of a two-parter, but it feels very much part of the finale of this season. So like pretty much all pieces we know of already, all the characters or folks we've talked about. Um, it's really just culminating in some late season uh, climactic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we can actually dive right into this one. Please do. Please do. This episode opens in the portal dimension. 
where oh. the time dilation accelerator, remember that thing? I didn't, is portaling about until it finally falls through one of its own portals and lands in Central Park, where a man named Lenny quickly snatches it up. When I first saw this, I was like, what is this? Because I feel <laughs> like they didn't feature it that heavily. No, um, it's really, okay, that is a thing that, there's a couple of time dilation accelerator things. My other thing is actually going to be next week. I bet we week. have the same thing. Yep. I'm positive that we do. But in this case, yeah, I think like what I, th- I, th- I think the implication is that I know that own in the spot episode the week before yeah. had stuff, some stuff strapped to him for the final, the final confrontation to close the portal. I don't think it looked like this though, but I think the implication is supposed to be that this is that. To, that this is the equipment that he had with him. Yeah, it's I mean, just it's, weird that it's like redesigned. Yeah, it's definitely something he made. It just is like completely unmemorable. Even if it were the same design, I wouldn't even know because like the stuff he has strapped to him isn't stuff that they really feature, you know? Yeah. So when it dropped, I was like, wait, what is that? Um, it looks kind of like a talk boy oh my God, um, or totally like a Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a camera somehow, like a weirdly shaped camera. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It looks like the type of thing that you would get for like a camping trip that has like 40 functions, yeah. you know, yeah. including yeah. a flashlight. So. It does look very of its time too. Yeah. Just sort of like this bulky, like just lots of pieces and lines and mm-hmm. little switches on it that don't mean anything. Clip it to your belt and go. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, this dude, Lenny, uh, he's voiced by Sarah Ballantine's dad. Sarah Ballantine is Mary Jane. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. I would have never thought to like look that up because he's no. like a pretty... I mean, he's he he kicks off like obviously how this uh, time dilation accelerator... Question for you. What's worse to have to say over and over? Time dilation accelerator or neogenic recombinator? Time dilation accelerator, I think is like slightly more of a tongue twister just because it's longer. I think mm-hmm. I don't think it flows as much as neogenic recombinator. Yeah. And it also like time dilation accelerator. I guess it does. Like, I guess those words do make sense together when you like sort of think about what it's trying to say, but when you're saying it all, it all at once, it, I don't think it what makes does this have to do with. Time? Okay. No, no, I don't think it makes any sense for what the device actually is. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But I think like, if you're thinking like, Oh, you were trying to accelerate the dilation of time. Like that phrase does make sense. They're all but words that actually it, exist. But when you're saying it all, yeah. Unlike neogenic recombinator, which what the actual fuck, but when you say time dilation, accelerate all together, like I feel like it very quickly loses its meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it isn't helped by the fact that like, no, it's just creating interdimensional portals through dimensions yeah. like you're Didn't they what, call, di- what time are you dilating right now <laughs> right they called um in the in the the episodes tony stark was in it was just simply a interdimensional probe that's yeah. all they called it <laughs> what did own call it did own call it a time dilation accelerator too Honestly, he might have, but if he did, he didn't say it enough for me to feel like I needed to include it. And they say, they it say a lot. time dilation accelerator so many times in this I episode. I just feel straight up sorry for these voice actors for the next couple of weeks. Terrible. Mm, you are hassling them with mm-hmm. these terrible phrases. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lenny snatches up the time dilation accelerator. Uh, and as he does, Peter and MJ walk by. Uh, and don't notice him or anything. They just happen to walk by. Uh, and MJ is reflecting on all the weird shit that's happened to her. 
Uh, and basically, this is a little weird. Like she wonders, it, not weird that she wonders this, but the reaction to it and the conversation where it goes, she wonders like, am I just simply a dangerous person to be around? Like kind of yeah. like somebody wondering like, am I cursed? Like, do I just have bad luck or something? Peter kisses her, tells her not to worry about it. And is sort of like, no, definitely not. You're not bad luck. Like I'll stick by you no matter what yeah. happens. Knowing full well that like at least half of the things she listed are like his fault. <laughs> right. He also says, these things happen. It's New York, which I found yeah, hilarious. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Fair. It is. It is. Especially in weird. the Marvel universe where like New York is a, is a real place and the center of most things. <laughs> right. Right. It's sort of like, I mean, yeah, I guess these things do happen. <laughs> there was just like a bunch of portals last week and everybody was just like, okay. Yeah. It is weird that she like calls out Eddie Brock specifically as Venom. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess maybe he was out at his Venom. I mean, cause like J. Jonah Jameson figured out who he was in that episode. So I guess that was in the newspapers. So she connected the dots, but like she never interacted with Venom specifically. It was just, I guess if she knows if Eddie was sort of hassling her a little bit and knows that he was after Peter and she learns that he's venom, that's going to be a thing that she considers. But it just seemed like kind of a weird pull, I guess, because she wasn't really that mm-hmm. directly impacted by him most of the time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, but I like what they're doing with what they're what they're going for with all of this, at least where it's like, oh, from the civilians perspective, especially the love interests perspective, like it is going to kind of feel like you're at the center of all this because you're not seeing outside of your own bubble. You're not seeing like how these things are connected to Peter or Spider-Man. Yeah. It it's is just, sort of weird for a random person to interact with these supervillains as often as she had as often as she has. Yeah. It feels accidentally like icky, though, because like. Peter fully knows that most of the things she mentioned are actually because of him, you know? Mm-hmm. But since she doesn't know yet, he's just sort of like, oh, don't worry about it. Which is not to say, like, it's not your fault. Just that, oh, like, no. it happens. You so know it ends what, up though? feeling this, like, accident. And I don't use this phrase necessarily a lot. Or this term necessarily a lot. But it, like, feels like accidental, uh, like, gaslighting a little bit. Where you know, it's like, but- you can mm-hmm. believe that. That's fine. <laughs> I get that, but I also, I, you know what, I might push back on that, though, because I was agreeing with you, but then I think, like, Eddie and Venom are the only things that are because of Peter that she references, because Hydra Man, he was after her explicitly, and right. Dormammu and the cult was after her explicitly. Oh, yeah, I guess that really, that didn't have anything to do with Spider-Man. Yeah, that's the only, I think that's the other reason that the Venom thing stands out so much, because it's like that. That really, like, she was actually referencing specific things that were part of her stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a weird coincidence that she's that was that entangled with like super villainy, independent Spider Man. That's true. Okay, that feels less icky. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, it would if 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 this were actually more traditional stuff, right? Then mm-hmm. then it would feel a bit more icky if that were the case. Yeah, but yeah you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So actually, yeah, I didn't really think about that, but you know what? That's actually. That that's some pretty good writing there because there's other times I'm sure that she's interacted with supervillains or witnessed them and she she specifically calls out at least two or three instances of ones mm-hmm. that were very relevant to her specifically. Yeah. So I just jumped the gun and was like, we've already seen a couple times now where Mary Jane's like, it's fine that you run off to take pictures of incredibly dangerous situations. Yeah. Um. So I was like ready to ready to defend something that didn't I mean we do absolutely see her in in this episode and the next like still continuing to shoulder all of the responsibility <laughs> with her and Peter's relationship and just being yeah. like it's all right I'll carry the bag for you buddy <laughs> I love all the things about you that make you rude and inconsiderate to me <laughs> right. your girlfriend right it's right. what makes you you <laughs> yeah jumping the gun a little bit but it is definitely a continuing thread <laughs> yeah um 
Yeah, yeah. But in this case, that's not a that's not a bad example. That was actually right. that's actually right. okay. Um And Peter does sort of like like reflect on it in the moment too, to say like even if he's not necessarily saying those things are his fault, he also recognizes that like she could encounter more things by simply being somebody that he cares about. And so once again, we get this, we've been seeing it a lot this season, this sort of like grappling with the idea of like, should I stop being Spider-Man? And this is another moment where he sort of thinks about it and then dismisses it again. Yeah. In like a millisecond. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But at least like, he's just, he's not even really dwelling on that idea. It's just sort of like, who am I kidding? I'm not, I'm not going to quit being Spider-Man. Yeah. Like we all know. Yeah. So at a pawn shop, Lenny attempts to sell the time dilation accelerator as a portable coffee maker. Of course. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is. He's also like, you just gotta, you just gotta flip the slipper, flipper gibbet and then it'll make you coffee. Mm-hmm. It's funny. But of course, you know, when he flips the slipper, flipper gibbet, it opens up a portal and starts to suck everything in the pawn shop, uh, including Lenny and the shop owner. So there's another black hole in the sky. Cool guys. Mechanics Great. of this, of this portal technology. Luck. Very unclear just sometimes it's a vacuum sometimes it's not in this case it's a vacuum seem to open inside but then suddenly it's like outside and sucking things through the roofs i whatever (laughs) Hmm. i didn't even think about that Uh let's just forget uh about that um (laughs) not the show to ask too many questions about when it comes to the techno babble oh absolutely not they just the portals are there for the villains to use and for people to (laughs) fake die that's what's important Nearby, Peter and MJ see the ruckus. Uh, MJ recognizes the portal and is sort of like, I know you've got to leave to take these photos, Um, which, you know, again, referenced last week that they sort of established that she knows that it's his job to run off into danger, which gives him the perfect cover to suit up and save the guys as Mm Spider-Man. I will say, like, I I do... As much as it sucks that he's always running away, like that's just a constant that that is a a given with Peter Parker, right? So sure. it is at least nice for there to be something he can use as an excuse yeah. as opposed to just constantly disappearing. So like it is it is actually nice that she knows and has sort of accepted, like, oh, it's because you are, you know, a disaster photographer. Like I don't know what that's called, but yeah. Catastrophe photographer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a combat photographer, but right. But but no, I agree. I think I think it's really interesting, and I actually think it's a really smart, cool move to establish that because it makes it pretty much clears away all of the hangups of their relationship. Like once you get that out of the way, that she's like, oh yeah, this is just what he does for his job. He's going to run off, and I can't take that personally, and I'm not going to. It's like okay, they're at a great place. Yeah. Um, which I think is really smart for. Not, I'm not going to keep referencing next week a ton. It's just they're very tied together, obviously. But yeah. it's like it makes it a really great place to lead up throughout next week to continue that thread of just like, yeah, they have a great relationship right now. They actually yeah. kind of work through all the hangups they had, and they're happy. So yeah. It's yeah. actually pretty healthy. Like, even though she's mm-hmm. carrying a lot of the weight, like, it is something, it's a job he had long before they were in a relationship together. Yeah. It's something he cared about long before they were in a relationship together. So it's actually, like, pretty cool and healthy that she's like, I've chosen you. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew what it. I was getting into a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though, you know, it's a superhero show, so she doesn't actually know what she's getting into. Yeah, but she at least, <laughs> like, no, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she knows he's a dangerous one, relationship for her. Right, right, Absolutely. So after securing the two dudes, Spider-Man finds the time dilation accelerator outside the shop. Uh, when he attempts to close the portal, uh-oh, Hobgoblin arrives. Oh, boy. Everyone's favorite guy. 
<laughs> um, Hobgoblin takes the accelerator, leaves Spider-Man to get sucked into the portal because you know this is a vacuumy portal in this this time. Even yeah, this one's a sucky one, very sucky one. But Spidey webs onto Hobgoblin's glider to pull himself out. Hobgoblin cuts Spidey loose and portals away. Yes. Yeah. Is yes. this is this the parachute moment? It is the parachute moment, and you know I was excited about that, right? Yeah. Because they do this thing where he is, you know, he's, anytime there's a goblin episode, he's probably going to be like hanging by a, a web to their glider at some point. And in this case, when Hobgoblin cuts him off, it's over water. So he specifically acknowledges something that I, I actually, I don't give them a lot of Spider-Man media enough credit. I just assume they never acknowledge these things, but he does acknowledge like, oh shoot, there are no buildings around. Like I have nothing to web onto. So he makes a web parachute. Yeah. And I loved it. He's even like, uh, I mean, it's very clear it's the first time he's ever done it. And he's so excited yeah. and happy that it worked. See if this works. <laughs> so cute. I love it. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't immediately transition into him webbing onto like a speedboat and like water skiing as he oh, is so yeah. wont to do in these shows. Yeah, we haven't really, we haven't seen that in this show yet, have we? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we have. Not in this particular one. Maybe yeah. we will. I don't know. Well, later when Hobgoblin is using the accelerator to rob a bank, as one does, he discovers that the device is running low on power. So he visits Fisk Tower, because Fisk Industries, or Fisk whatever they're called, um, were the ones that made these devices, or at least funded Owen's research. And he figures if he goes there, he can get batteries, right? He ends up meeting up with some guy? Do We We don't know this no. man. It's hilarious because the last episode they made really, such a big deal about big there deal being a spy. Uh huh. And then it literally—I mean, I guess like it's interesting because I could see a version of this where if they played it up a little bit more, I think it would have been a really funny joke, like an anticlimax joke, where it's like, "Who is this mysterious spy? Oh, it's just the technician guy. Oh, that no one has ever yeah. done before." I think it could be really funny, but they don't really play it like that. It's just sort of like, "Oh yeah, we did kind of set that up." Well, just forget about that. It's it's him uh, anyway. It was so weird. <laughs> I, he's like literally not yeah. even a credited or named character. Yeah. I don't think. Honestly, I almost—it's so stupid that I almost kind of love it. Like it's just like, eh, yeah. I mean, why would he? Why would Hobgoblin have an insider that's like a big deal? It actually makes a lot of sense that. It, that a low life like Hobgoblin would just find some rando who doesn't really have any real investment or interest in the Kingpin's like actual things and is just like a working man, like a punch clock guy that like I mean, that would be the perfect spy to have that no one would pay attention to or notice, you know? I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it would be it's infinitely just, more fun if it was someone we knew, <laughs> like uh, Landon or... I mean, it would be, if, if yeah. If Smythe was still there, that would have been like a big mind-blowing moment. Yeah, I just um, think it's hilarious that it's just not for no reason. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Anyway, he yeah. meets up with his spy, who's some guy we have never seen and probably will never see again. And this guy uh, lets him know that Fisk actually stopped production of the batteries and they have just one left. So Hobgoblin, of course, is like, well, no, that that's not going to be the case. I need more of these. So he portals up to Fisk's office, which I love. He doesn't fly up to the like up some floors in the building he's already in he just portals from one floor to the next <laughs> mm-hmm. which is great and basically says hey fisk let's work together i got the accelerator back i know that you're interested we could revolutionize smuggling stealing all that sort of stuff but hey here's the thing i need you to start making the batteries again and he doesn't really wait for an answer fisk is just like oh i get it and then hobgoblin's like great meet me here and then leaves so then of course fisk is like 
the fuck just happened? <laughs> it's yeah. so weird. It's very weird. And Landon is like the same way. He's like, why? Like, why is he here? Why are we even talking to him? Mm-hmm. Why does this matter? Like, why are we taking him seriously? Yeah. And Fisk, of course, being smart is like, well, I mean, we could use it. I mean, like, even just knowing that the accelerator is back and the technology exists, like, that's good. And I've got connections. Maybe we can, maybe we can find something on this guy. One thing that I that I really like about this episode, and I don't, maybe I'm reading like too much into it. I don't know, but I feel like there's this really fun sort of vibe to the and thread to the whole thing that's just like this episode is very heavily acknowledging that nobody really likes hobgoblin and that he kind of sucks like every time hobgoblin shows up everybody's just like why are you here why are we doing this why are we talking to you and like every and you know eventually green goblin shows up just to like one up him and just make clear like yes hobgoblin sucks and i'm better and even his alter ego the entire time everyone's just like God, this guy sucks. Like, God, I don't like this guy. And I think it's just kind of hilarious because we know that John Semper doesn't like Hobgoblin. And it's and I I feel like this episode is sort of like the way that they're sort of reclaiming a character that they didn't like from episodes that did they didn't like is by kind of doubling down that in universe nobody really likes him. <laughs> He's just like annoying to everyone, you know? Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I just I'm still hung up on the fact that like it's Hobgoblin, I, I know that even outside of the show, people aren't necessarily, he's not like a universally beloved character or anything, but it's not like everyone hates Hobgoblin. Sure. Like, there are people who really like Hobgoblin. I mean, he was so popular still, in right, the 80s, you know. Right. So I still I still struggle because I'm like, John Semper, your version of Hobgoblin sucks because you didn't make him not suck. Yeah. So it's sure. like, I get what you're saying. And I do think it's fun that this episode really does kind of take something they didn't like that they no longer are beholden to and sort of like... As best as they actually, I'm not going to say as best as I can because it makes it sound like they do a bad job, and I don't think they do. Yeah, but like they really do close it up and basically say like we're done with this. Okay, yeah, like right. we started it. He went off somewhere. We're better storytellers than that to just leave it open. So we're going <laughs> to close it, even though we don't really want to. Right. right. But it's right. it's all it's always going to be a little bit weird to me because I'm still like that's your product. Like you made that. <laughs> like you could have just. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think that's a fair. There's like a bitterness a to, to John Semper about the Hobgoblin thing that I, I have no connection to Hobgoblin. So I don't even know why I care, but I just, it's weird when it's like, Oh, I hate Hobgoblin so much. I hate those episodes. I'm like you made them. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause it's something that I think feels, it's like, you can feel the meta of it in the text. Mm-hmm. I think in a weird way yeah. um, when you're watching it, it's sort of like, I like, I guess if, if we didn't know any of that background or watching it, maybe we wouldn't, it wouldn't feel so clear, but as soon as you know that it's sort of like you can't unsee it and you can't stop seeing it. Like God, the writers really hated including this yep. guy <laughs> or at least Semper did. I don't know how the other, I don't feel like other writer writers have been outspoken about that. Like, or have said either way, if they liked him, sure. I feel like they probably just didn't care about him, you know, strongly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the very least, the strongest voice on the show and the predominant voice on the show like you can just feel that seeping through yeah. every moment that Hobgoblin is on screen. And it's just like, it feel, and it's like, it almost takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah. This does feel like a more, in a weird way, this feels like a more appropriate way to handle a character that you're begrudgingly writing mm-hmm. because it at least, even though you're making everybody in the show hate him as a result of you hating him and then communicating to the audience, like you should hate this guy even though that's happening, mm-hmm. it's still like a better written story than the original 
hobgoblin appearances so like in a weird way it's actually better that they're doing this Mm -hmm. like it's a higher quality product even though he's clearly just being like doesn't this guy suck everyone (laughs) hey everyone doesn't he suck (laughs) i'm like yeah he does actually like good yeah you're right (laughs) whereas before i was just mad (laughs) right right Well, it's worth noting that when Fisk is talking about like trying to get information on Hobgoblin, because in this show, no one knows who he is either. Um, and that's like a big part of Hobgoblin, right? That was like a whole, it's, I, mm. is it still a thing with Hobgoblin? I don't even know. Someday I'll know about Hobgoblin. It's not today though. Um, he Fisk basically says like, I think I know who might at least have a direction I can go in. I can talk to an old friend of mine who might have some information. This scene changed, by the way. Uh-huh. So I, I I have a feeling I, I, I had this moment when I was watching these episodes where I was like, oh, my memory strikes again, because clearly Derek remembered who Hobgoblin was in this series. And I did not. Wait, Be- you didn't. I didn't remember. No, uh, I was wondering, but I thought you were just because I was just I figured no. you would have it would have triggered you knowing that Mark Hamill was voicing him, that you would no. have just made that connection. That's hilarious. Cause, no, 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 no. Wow. Because because I don't I don't like I don't assume that two characters are the same person because one actor is well, playing sure. them, even though even though it's very likely the case. Like, I also frequently don't watch TV trying to figure things out. Right. So if like yeah, yeah. a TV show is telling me that somebody is a mystery. Like, even if I'm watching a mystery, I'm usually not trying to figure it out. I'm usually just, like, rolling with it. Like, yeah. so I, I just wasn't think I wasn't, like, I just, actively I trying to solve it. I meant more, like, I thought I thought that would have triggered something in your memory or something like no, that. No, 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 no. It triggered nothing. That, no, it, it literally yeah. didn't. And what's funny so is funny. you made a comment a couple episodes ago when we were talking about Felicia being a monster fucker about <laughs> yep. her making a comment about the goblin toy yep. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That did nothing for me. And then when I was watching this episode and this next scene change... <laughs> From where Kingpin says, oh, like if we just, or Landon says, if we just knew who this guy was and Kingpin was like, oh, I think I could figure it out. Well, then it cuts to Jason Phillips, whatever the fuck's his name is, Jason's <laughs> home. I was like, oh my God, it's Jason. Like, oh my God. I love <laughs> it that It like though. all rushed in at the same time where I was like, Mark Hamill voices both of them. Derek was like held back some sort. I didn't know what you were not saying when we were talking about the goblin, yeah. like Felicia monster fucker thing. But mm-hmm. like it hit me. I was like, that's what he wasn't saying. Oh my God. I'm so stupid. That's so like funny. I was yeah, doing was, that just for the really listeners funny. because I didn't know, you know, if people were watching it along yeah. or hadn't seen it before. That's so funny. I really just didn't expect that. that that's so fun though, because no. that's, that's something that I, I was sort of curious. I would be curious about But now I have my answer is sort of like how well this mystery plays well, out. If, if that is a twist that, that you can, that is telegraphed or not you know i don't think it is unless you know that mark hamill voices both of them which we did say right and you're inclined to think that that means and and again it usually does but if you're inclined to think that that means they're the same in a show where people have alter egos Mm -hmm. um i could see that being the case but we even talked about the fact that like mark hamill voiced that character and he's getting another character. And we joked that like, oh, they're giving him a second shot at something. You yeah. Know? And also like his vocal performance is very different. So I, so I could different. see people. If you didn't see the credits, you would have no idea. Yeah. I think that you wouldn't recognize that there are two. And it's not like they introduced Jason in an episode that has Hobgoblin in it. Hobgoblin's yeah. been out of the picture for a very long time. Jason's appeared in multiple episodes. They haven't Without made him appear to be sinister. They haven't made him appear to be sinister. I think they do a good job of like making his characterization just yeah. be like, just feel like it's an obstacle for the Peter and Felicia thing and also isn't it funny that 
this guy is like very rich and, and annoying and boring. Mm-hmm. Like that's, and that's his character, you know? Yeah. It's so funny to me. And like, you know, people who are in my same position might not have necessarily had that same sort of like immediate, like rush or whatever. People who are watching it for the first time, it, technically I'm, I'm saying all this scenes before it's revealed to us or whatever. Sure. Um, but that this, this exact scene change it all it all came rushing into me uh, like a weird movie where I was like, oh my – like an end of a Saw movie where like they tell you everything mm-hmm. that was connected that you didn't realize. Like I was like, oh my god. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Like, they do pull it that off. You got to I mean, experience like, that. I don't know that you necessarily care that it's Jason. That's a whole different conversation. Sure. But it does work as far as like a surprise. Well, but I don't think they're meant I, – I think what's interesting about this is because they make Jason such an unlikable character from the oh get-go that I think that I think that it's less meant to be like that you care that it's Jason and more like you just don't expect it to be Jason. So the reveal is more like, oh, my God, he's been here this whole time and I never re- made the connection more so than like, oh, I feel emotionally devastated yeah. that it was well, him. You know, You don't expect it to be him and it makes sense once you figure it out, you mm-hmm. know? You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I've hated him this whole time. Like, yeah. of course he ended up being more than just like a shitty guy. Right. And suddenly, like, oh, this character has like a place in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's cool. I love that because I never had that experience because I don't remember, like, I don't remember ever not knowing. Like, I don't, I, I, I definitely watched these shows as a kid, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, oh, me I too. don't remember my experience <laughs> of, you know, the reveal, but it, I always remembered that Jason Phillips making Mackendale is is a hobgoblin both in this show and in comics at different points so like i've just never known that out so like i don't know i'm sure that i it was a surprise to me at some point as a kid but like i don't remember that experience and i never forgot that so it's funny because i remember elements of this right like i remember i remember there being two goblins in an episode like i knew that they weren't just separate entities um but yeah the actual details of it i did not remember see that's just my broken brain having like so just like remembering too much about tv (laughs) and like always being so in deep about it that like now i can't it's a lot harder even when i revisit stuff from my childhood that i haven't revisited from a long time it's a lot harder to like be looking at it with fresh adult eyes as much because it's sort of like well i can look at it from a new perspective and understand things better but like i remember all the big enough beats (laughs) so i can't be surprised like the fact that jason is the hobgoblin which is fucking i'm so happy that you got to experience that though yeah it's great we get it's, so it's, few like genuine surprises on this podcast i mm-hmm. feel like just because of the spider it's it's about the spider-man mythos yeah that, totally that's so fun yeah no it's, it's funny that this was honestly like maybe the biggest surprise we've ever covered for me at least <laughs> that's so funny that's yeah. so funny anywho <laughs> we haven't in, in universe we haven't found that out yet so <laughs> no but this is this is the best time to mention it because this is where yeah. it happened for me yeah uh, oh, yeah so yeah the 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 scene changes to jason and felicia at their giant mansion uh at jason's estate they're announcing their engagement to a crowd at a whole big party that they're hosting i i don't know if he like amplified it or if i'm just noticing it more mark's jason voice is like so good at how awful and obnoxious oh it is God. he is like and and the thing that i love about it is because late eventually in the episode 
I feel like we get like what Jason's real voice is. It becomes yes. clear that this is a performance yes. because there's the Jason voice. There's the Jason Phillips voice. There's the Hobgoblin voice. And then there's the true Jason Mackendale voice. Right. And they're very, and they're three very distinct voices because Mark Hamill fucking rules and is a great voice actor, but it, but it makes it even better that like, Oh, he's putting on this like snooty, like welcome everybody i'm so glad you could join us yeah it's It's like like very that it's very nasally and he like uses these obnoxious (laughs) old archaic phrase Uh turns of phrases like old bean and stuff and it's just like (laughs) when you realize that it's all a performance it's like god it's actually really clever and Mm -hmm. really well done yeah i mean it's it's great that they had mark hamill there to to really you know drive drive all that home yeah yeah he's good he's good so Peter and MJ are in attendance, uh, you know, because they're friends with Felicia. And so is Harry, uh, <laughs> who yeah. his whole his characterization in the bow back half of the season is just Ugh. absolutely fucking suck. <laughs> he's really unenjoyable to watch. He's extremely unpleasant. And yeah. it's just it's one it's the thing. character. He's just he's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the character, it's the way he's, you know, it's the way he's written, and the performance is good at making him, like we mentioned, I think, last week, like, uh, perf- I think it's Gary, Gary Imoff, I always forget what his actual last name, I think it's Imoff, or Imoff. I don't know how you say it necessarily, but yes. Yeah, he is always very good at playing Harry as his worst. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is extremely grating, and I would never want to listen to it, but, like, kudos for just mm-hmm. embracing how shitty Harry is. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's one thing for Harry to like privately be doing pulling this masculine dick measuring bullshit with Peter oh about how MJ how he stole MJ away. It's even worse. It is like ten thousand times worse to do it in front of Mary Jane and not even acknowledge her as you're doing this dick measuring piss contest. It's so gross. The fact that he says you stole MJ away from me in front of MJ. Like we talked about how terrible it was that he talked about her like that when she wasn't around. I just, and and she takes it in stride. Like she's so composed and like she had every right to just slap the shit out of him. (laughs) Right. God. Yeah. Terrible. Oh, he's so gross he's in this so moment. Gross. And she's just, I mean, at the very least, like after he leaves, she's like, yeah, that's bullshit. He shouldn't be saying that. That's not like, that's not true. I'm going to mm-hmm. go talk to him. Um, I love that part where she's like, yeah. he needs to get it. I need to go talk to him. Yeah. I like that. And we don't see their conversation or anything. I think that's, I feel like he's gone from the episode after this. It's the only time we see him in this episode. I believe. I think um, you're right. Yeah. Honestly, like this season leaves Harry off at the worst fucking place Ooh. in the world. It's not, it's not a good look. Harry's never been a very great character in this show. He's had a couple of decent moments, but overall, but I forgot how unpleasant he is for that's how the long thing. he is unpleasant. Yeah, that's the thing. I remember, like, first season, it's sort of like, wow, this guy's a wiener, but we know he eventually becomes Peter's friend. But then it's like, he never really does. Like, I feel like I, no. I, I'd I, like him in the Enter the Green Goblin episode because he's sort of going through it and you get some different shades of him in that episode at least. But honestly, other than that, he's always a very unpleasant character. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of surprised that we're now three seasons in and I've never really warmed up to him. And I feel like I'm never going to. I don't think he's ever going to get better. I and don't it's think wild, so. wild that I never, I, that I did not remember it like that. I just remembered him Seriously. being Peter's best friend who be, who goes bad. But nope, he was bad to begin with. <laughs> right, especially because this is like the only Harry I knew for a long time. Yeah, it's so weird. So why did I ever think he wasn't anything other than horrible? Very I guess because strange. the show does, like Peter does 
say in the show like, oh, he's my best friend. And I maybe just as a kid, I just was like, okay, yes, he's your best friend. You know, like the show told us. So that's true. Yeah. But damn. Yeah. Damn. He's God. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jameson's also there. He kind of gets his sort of obligatory appearance in this just to give Peter a hard time about not developing photos. And Peter's like, I did develop the photos or it's already being developed and handled. And then he gets pulled away anyway. And then I, we don't see Jameson anymore after that. So, okay. I think Jameson's done for the season actually. Isn't he? Hmm. I think he is. Yeah. That's a bummer. We have, we did not see nearly enough Jameson. I don't in know. We'll season. see next week, but I think yeah. he's, I think he's done for the season. I think you're right. Yeah. Not near. Don't see nearly enough of him in this, in this season. It's kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess at least he gets a couple of lines. Per yeah. Episode. They don't let you forget him though. Right. Yeah. Like they do. They yeah. do make sure, you know, he's not gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess like this season was very heavy on the soap opera stuff and Peter and MJ and Felicia. So like less room Mm -hmm. with the Daily Bugle, I guess. So it's it's fair. They don't have a lot of time for Jonah's a dad, though. I'm sure he's sinned. He would have fit right in. (laughs) Jonah's also a sin daddy. So what's going on? (laughs) But yeah, he gets pulled away by Felicia, who is like, I I want Peter to talk to my fiance. So um, Peter and Jason nearly shake hands and then Peter's spider sense goes off, which could clue you in, but then they have a nice little misdirect if you haven't really caught on yet because Fist walks up. So Peter assumes, oh, my spider sense was going off because King mm-hmm. is here. Yeah. Yeah. That's if I, if I wasn't sure and I was yeah. that right there because we've seen, it's, it's a pretty classic Spider-Man misdirect, you know? Yeah. Uh, that surely would have made me be like, wait a second. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> at, right. at the very least, something's up with Jason. Right. Of course. But it's a great moment. I, I, the timing on it's very good, too. It's good. It's all well handled. And, you know, it's it could be you if, if yeah, you, even if you're sold, it could be like, oh, maybe they're thro- trying to throw this in for some confusion mm-hmm. potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Well, after the, I love this moment because Fisk walks up and he apologizes for, quote, that little thing that put you in jail <laughs> for treason, dude. The, the yeah, he fucking, doesn't like, FBI that. was after him, man. <laughs> Remember when I made you a nationally known figure for treason? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. Just that little thing. That's hilarious. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Fisk apologizes for that um, and then excuses himself to speak with Norman Osborn, which, you know, if you if you hadn't sort of surmised uh, is the old friend he was talking about. So Mm -hmm. Peter then excuses himself uh, from Felicia and Jason to suit up an eavesdrop on the two, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, So and I like that he did that, honestly. Like, I like that that was just like his immediate reaction was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta listen to those yeah. two. It also gets him away from, I love again, Jason fucking oh sucks God. so much on purpose. And Peter's like, my spider sense was telling me I'm in danger of being bored to death. Oh my God. So funny. <laughs> I really so thought funny. that was funny. <laughs> I I, it is. I think I really honestly, legitimately straight up like everything they do with Jason in this episode. I mm-hmm. think that they really nail like once once it's clear that you're supposed to hate this guy yeah. and he's supposed to be fucking annoying, it's like, oh shit, this is so fun. I actually kind of wish they'd hammed it up something. a little bit earlier too. I kind of do too. Yeah. I wish he had been camp from like the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and actually, you know what? That reminds me. Because while we're talking about a little uh-huh. bit about Jason, one thing that I brought up last week that I wanted to make sure I called back to you is that I think I was saying I was going to have more more to say about 
the Jason's awful proposal to Felicia oh, in the jewelry okay. store yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it makes a lot more sense. I know we in, in the show, we haven't gotten to the reveal or whatever. We've, we already spoiled it for y'all. So it, we're talking about Jason. If it we happens know in that, this episode, presumably yeah, you watch the episode. Yeah. If we know that all of this is a performance that we're seeing, it actually does make sense that like a petty criminal who's just like pretending to be a rich socialite, like, wouldn't really actually know how to pull off a grand romantic gesture because he doesn't probably is a sociopath who doesn't actually love for real. Like he doesn't know what romance is. So like, and I actually find it really interesting. It actually kind of, a, I mean, not intentionally, but you could read it almost as a clue that like, Something's... yeah, the dude who's a fucking criminal <laughs> would think the jewelry store is like, yeah. One of the grandest, most romantic places ever, because that's yeah. where you can steal all the rich stuff, right? Well, also, yeah, it also, and it also like fits in with what we learn about his feelings about Felicia and other people later right. on, right? Like, yeah. he's not considerate. He wouldn't actually think of what she would like. Yeah, he absolutely is like a narcissistic sociopath, yeah. I think. I think that's very intentional. And so it's like, yeah, why would he do a grand romantic gesture? They're in the jewelry store. He's mm-hmm. showing off that he can buy her an expensive ring. Shouldn't she be impressed by that? Because yeah. that's what's important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it all checks out. I think the Jason think so stuff too. is well done. I like it. I think it is too. I'm I'm shocked to say so. Yeah. Uh, but it all it all pays off and builds very well. So mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because we made a comment. You know, you joked like, "Aren't you so glad we're getting Hobgoblin back?" And I was like, "I don't know, maybe." Like, let's see what they do. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good. I it's was good. I said that very intentionally <laughs> because I I knew that. I liked this episode. And so, and I do think that this is definitely not that the bar was very high, but this absolutely is the best hobgoblin episode. Oh yeah, for sure. Of them all. And I think that they, not to say that they like reclaim him or whatever, like completely redeem him. But I think that, no, I think this, they redeem themselves. Yeah. I think that they use him extremely well in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, Lillian, and Douglas. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, Spider-Man's on his way outside to eavesdrop, right? So Fisk and Osborne, are, they're on this like very nice little pavilion outside. Yeah, it's cute. So balcony thing or whatever, which would be nice for a proposal, Jason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got it right there. Um, but Fisk and Osborne are obviously talking about Hobgoblin because that's what Fisk is there to ask about. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Fisk asks about Hobgoblin 
and Norman immediately gets weird just around the the word goblin. He's like, I don't want to talk about any goblins. What are you talking about? <laughs> and Fisk is like, Well, you created him, obviously. So like, I'm I think maybe you'd know something about hobgoblin. And Osborne's like, I gotta get out of here. Goblins, no, no goblins. But Fisk, of course, is like determined. So he grabs grabs uh, Norman and says like. Oh man, I would I would hate to involve Harry in this if you couldn't give me information, and that's enough to motivate Norman to be like, "Oh my, okay, fine, fine, don't hurt <laughs> Harry, fine, I'll help." Yeah. So after this conversation, Spider Man recognizes that uh, he's gonna have to abandon his life with MJ again to stop Hing- Kingpin and Hobgoblin's Uh-oh. plans. Yeah, yeah. And there's no no disaster happening to uh, to fall back on. Although this is never called back on. He acknowledges that, but they don't fight about it or talk about it. Or there are a couple details that they don't fully like yeah. close up, but it's, it's fine because yeah. overall it's generally good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but before he flips off, Felicia finds him. And uh, mm. Felicia's like, ooh, you come to wish me good luck? And he's like, oh, I guess so. Um, and then he asks her a very <laughs> weird question because he's like, Felicia, do you really love this Jason Phillips guy? Which is like, I mean, it's an echo of what he asked Mary Jane. It is, yeah. I mean, I, I like in the writery sense, I like it um, because yeah, it's an echo of what he asked Mary Jane, and he got the answer that he wanted. Like he was right on the money in that case, so it does sort of make sense that he would ask the same question to Felicia. Um, and also, Jason Phillips sucks, so it's sort of like, why do you like him? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also sort of like in the sort of real world, like criticizing peter parker's actions as a human (laughs) i think it is sort of like you have been trying to distance yourself from this woman and try and like made it very clear that you needed to break this off so why would you ask this question to sort of open this back up again yeah peter this is abusive you're not letting her move on yeah it's really (laughs) shitty it's really shitty it's really terrible you're 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 being shitty and then he even like has this little interior narration where it's sort of like this is crazy i can't love one woman as peter parker and one woman as spider-man and it's like you love felicia like for real like they're both guilty of this yeah. <laughs> which we'll get to it's, but I mean, they're both guilty point. of this i guess like and i guess okay a charitable and a charitable reading is that it's sort of like the real relationship is peter and mary jane like that's all we i think that i fully buy and believe that they are in love with each other in like the most realistic way possible right and i do think but i do think that yeah. there's something i think that there's a sort of unique felicia spider-man dynamic where it's like they have, I think we referenced it where it's sort of like Felicia sort of feels like she's in a romance novel. And I think Spider-Man does a little bit too. And it's not really like, it's not really real love for each other. I think in the same way, I shouldn't say not real love. It's a different kind of love than the love that Peter and Mary Jane have. I think that like Felicia and Spider-Man both sort of like love the idea of each other. And so it's sort of like this interesting dynamic where it's sort of like, you have the Spider-Man half of it is playing like a romance novel uh, where it's sort of like this sort of gothic romance kind of thing. And then the Peter and Mary Jane stuff is just like they're dating like regular people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that dynamic is interesting. And I think that that's sort of what they're trying to play out. And I do think that that is kind of fascinating, but you know, it's just sort of like irresponsible <laughs> on yeah. Peter's part yeah, I think, as a I th- man. I think saying they, they like the idea of each other is perfect because they're, they're clearly seeking out from the other person, something that they like aren't confronting, right? Yeah. Like she's seeking a dangerous relationship and he feels guilt about being in a dangerous relationship. So like what better person to sort of be infatuated with or fantasize about being with than somebody who like is attracted to your danger. Like, I don't know. It's and Felicia is is such a unique character or interesting character in the fact that she's like I don't know this like 
heiress, I guess, but is clearly like also adventurous and like spunky. Like, you, you know, so I don't know. It, yeah. it, there's something about it that makes sense, but it's also not, not in real life, everybody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> don't emulate. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also like, I, I kind of wanted the book to be closed on this stuff and just like Peter, Mary, Jane, I agree. we're done. We're done with the Felicia stuff. <laughs> She's engaged and you like basically broke it off. Like stop going back to it. But I guess I get why they have to go back to this. Well, one more time just for the drama of it in this episode. Like I kind of get it. It's just, you know, yeah. yeah well, <laughs> and I mean, just Felicia Hardy and Spider-Man in general and where those, those things can go. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's, they're not going to close the book. <laughs> of course. Of, of course. Yeah. But I would like them to as well. I agree. Yeah. Well, Norman arrives uh, at Oscorp to wait for Fisk and unfortunately has flashbacks about becoming the Green Goblin. So he's not uh, it's it, I think it's it's sort of interesting. It's clear that like it wasn't like a full amnesia thing. Maybe it was for a time, but mm-hmm. he's familiar with his Green Goblin persona. So apparently for at least a while he's been grappling with at least like recognizing that he has another personality that he's been talking to. Um, and this is where we get it like full on. Yes. And so it's like it, it at points gets a little weird to talk about because yeah. they are one entity, but they are two. Uh, they experience each other as separate entities at the same yeah. time. So it's like it weird. Is... Cause sometimes like we're talking about Norman and sometimes we're talking about green goblin and then like talking to each other. Mm. But I presume that anybody who's familiar with green goblin, like gets what we're saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's the very classic split personality thing, which, you know, I think has been talked about as, as being a a kind of a problematic trope in the way that it's portrayed in media in terms of like compared, you know, comparing it to like actual mental illness and stuff like that. Um, And the way that it's sort of the way that it's played up uh, in these ways uh, can be, can be hard, but so we're I mean, that's, in the sixties. <laughs> right, right. And this this is and this is the most distilled, like basic one person has two personalities inhabiting his mind and they talk to each other thing. Like you can't really think about it more than that. And it's mm-hmm. I not great representation for mental health, but that's what we got. So yep. Yep. <laughs> and it gives us this great opportunity to refer to one character by multiple names. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Great. So Norman does attempt to sort of gain his senses at a bathroom sink, but uh, and this is when he has this, this conversation with Green Goblin. Green Goblin's like, Norman, let me out. Let me take over. It's interesting because their dynamic is sort of like Norman is like this weak guy that Green Goblin is almost trying to like pr- protect and like make mm-hmm. quote unquote make a man out of, which I find kind of interesting. Right, because prior to having like prior to hosting or or inhabiting uh, Green Goblin, like Norman Osborn, would have been a confident, you know, yeah. arrogant man, you know, yeah. that, that people would look at as such. Yeah, it's almost like he's sort of he's sort of devolved a little bit in terms of like like retreating into himself now that he has this other yeah. persona. It's almost like you have this Green Goblin thing that's like posing itself as a protective figure for Norman, but really is almost kind of like an emotionally abusive sort of codependent thing where Mm -hmm. it's like belittling Norman to reinforce the importance of green goblin needing to be there to protect him essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's like, there's certainly compelling, uh, mental health stuff there. It's just not, probably not as an, not intentional. (laughs) Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, later at Fisk Tower, Hobgoblin and Fisk do begin their heist. Okay, this is one of those weird things that I think there's maybe 
a bit of a something that's not followed up on it at the party didn't fisk and norman agree to rendezvous or meet up at some point yeah i think so do they do that that was the whole plan right no i guess not i mean i guess (laughs) i guess it doesn't happen because it cuts to this and i thought they were they were going to meet before this because i thought what fisk needed to know would be relevant to this because i thought he was trying to like not do the heist huh yeah i guess maybe i don't know i don't know yeah that's that's a little weird i don't know anyway the heist is on. So Hobgoblin and Fisk are, are doing doing the heist. I think they say it's like a gold repository or something. Yeah, Who cares? Something like they're that. they're robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So their plan is to send two of Fisk's men through one of Hobgoblin's portals, but it backfires because Spidey was eavesdropping and knows that they're gonna do this. So he's waiting at the bank or the repository or whatever, uh, on the other side and uses the portal uh to basically just like jump right into Fisk's office. Uh, and grab the time dilation accelerator uh, using the element of surprise. So naturally, Hobgoblin's like, no, that's mine, and chases Spider-Man all around Fisk's office and runs right into, uh, or 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 runs Spider-Man right into Fisk's arms for a classic Kingpin bear hug. Um, they do this this interesting 360 shot, uh, which I definitely wasn't expecting them to do in in animation, sure, like traditional yeah. animation, and in this show. But they do like a 360 shot on the Kingpin bear hug. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's it really interesting. interesting. I don't know. Like, it's cool that they did it. It's just something we've never seen them do. So it was like, it stood mm-hmm. out to me. But of course, before Kingpin can crush Spider-Man, something interrupts it. And that something is Green Goblin. So we've got Hobgoblin and Green Goblin. Yeah. The Goblin War has begun. It's war. <laughs> so uh yeah green goblin and hobgoblin have a big old glider and pumpkin bomb battle right there in fist's office mm, it's funny that their first major confrontation it. is like indoors in a building while they're on mm-hmm. the gliders they can't even get to fly around a lot yet yeah and i wasn't having flashbacks at all of hobgoblin and throwing bombs all throughout fisk's office or anything <laughs> at least this whole time green goblin is belittling him just like yes. god you're terrible you don't deserve to wear that mask nobody likes you i'm better everything i do is better my glider's bigger my costume's cooler my voice is better everything's everything's better about me than you um and hobgoblin's like well, who are you what's going on yeah. um unfortunately yeah. an impossible fight to follow like oh it's chaos it's, it is it's incomprehensible it's horribly edited like yeah, the, yeah. The, it's it's really bad like Look, the, okay yeah. both of them have I- identical gliders uh-huh. and they both they both have the small glider and the big glider yeah and they frequently dock and undock from their big gliders <laughs> yep but it, but from scene to scene it does it's not consistent and they both throw the same bombs that just add explosions that obscure things uh-huh i think <laughs> At some points, hobgoblins might be might have like a weird, like fire on them, but the effect know. is exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's incomprehensible. I agree. This episode is very is often very poorly edited. They put all their money into next week's episode, which is fair. It's a season mm-hmm. finale. That's yeah. a beautiful looking episode. This one has some good moments, um, but. A lot of not great moments, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the action kind of blows in it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. But it's you know it's honestly I think like I'm so into it for the idea, and there's enough like banter. It's still a good episode. It's still a good episode, and the banter between the Green Goblin and Hobgoblin, and again mostly the Green Goblin just fucking belittling and tearing Hobgoblin a new one, and Hobgoblin just being like, 
who are you? What's happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dig that. I think it's great. I love that in this fight moment, Hobgoblin's like, how did you pick that up? Like, and Green Goblin's like, because I'm actually really a bad dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. actually strong, actually a goblin. What, you couldn't lift a desk up? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's good <laughs> shit. It's good shit, man. You even lift hobby? Yeah. Uh, with the accelerator in hand and the Green Goblin, like, obviously stronger than him, throwing decks, desks and shit, Hobgoblin books it, remarking that there's no profit to be made in his own destruction. Uh, naturally, Green Goblin and Spidey follow. Yeah. A bit of an echo to, like, uh, Kingpin a couple episodes ago, last episode, talking about how there's no, yeah. there's no like, profit in the end of the world or whatever. The yeah, spot episode. All... Yeah, it was last week. Yeah, these episodes all feel very of a piece in mm-hmm. an interesting yeah. way. Yeah, It also makes sense for Hobgoblin to say things similar to Kingpin because he way more than Green Goblin kind of takes the role of that early Green Goblin of trying to like replace Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that they're a little bit more similar than Green Goblin and, Hob- or Green Goblin and Kingpin would be, mm-hmm. at least in this series. Sure. So Green Goblin chases Hobgoblin for a bit until Hobgoblin escapes through a portal. Shocking. Uh, and Spider-Man catches up to hitch a ride with Green Goblin. Spider-Man does try to appeal specifically to Norman, uh, but Green Goblin claims that there is no Norman Osborn and tosses Spider-Man into the bay before setting off to search for Hobgoblin. Spider-Man's one of the few characters who can get tossed in a, uh, into the uh, the river, the bay, or big body of water in New York and not you know vanish forever. Mm-hmm. So he's, yeah. he, he makes it out alive. It's his, his <laughs> most special power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not instantly dissolving in water. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, back at Jason's, Felicia begins to plan renovations in Jason's office, which I like that they they established that earlier, that, that they it's like almost a throwaway line that Jason's like, yeah, Felicia just wants to renovate the whole West Wing, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of just seems like them just talking and Jason's boring if you're not paying attention to him. But it plays into it because we see Felicia doing what he was saying that she wanted to do. So she's looking around investigating. Um, and because she's sort of like, you know, feeling around like, oh, maybe we can get rid of this shelf. She accidentally presses a button on the uh, on the like bookshelf, which opens uh opens it's a phony bookshelf so it's a door classic secret base shit uh revealing this whole room with hobgoblin stuff including the hobgoblin costume that like falls on her literally Mm -hmm. which uh you know kind i would argue kind of a red flag a little bit you know i might raise an eyebrow yeah, I think it's worth investigating and have a chat about. Um, luckily, she's able to have a chat with uh, with with them right now because right on cue, Hobgoblin arrives and is like, oh, I wish you hadn't seen that room. Reveals himself to be J- not Jason Phillips exactly, but Jason Philip Mackendale or Macendale. Macken- yeah, Mackendale. Mackendale. I always said Masondale and then realized that, oh, no, he says Mackendale. Whoops. A former petty crook. And a hired thug uh, who became rich because of being the Hobgoblin. So his criminal life is what gave him the fortune. Everything that he has offered Felicia, everything he claims that everything she's in love with is all fully 100% because of his life of crime. Mm. And I love that her response is just like, I can't marry you. <laughs> Good response, honestly. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you, you know, my favorite detail of his hideout? What? His pumpkin bombs are not painted yet, I guess. Oh. And so they all look like little beach balls. For some reason, his pumpkin bombs, when not orange, 
are like yellow, white, blue, and red. That's so funny. <laughs> so weird. I don't know why. <laughs> my favorite thing, I don't know why I'm dwelling on his name so much, but I think it's hilarious that like his real name is Jason Philip Mackendale, which feels like the most like rich ass person name, mm-hmm. but to play a fake rich person, he changes it to Jason Phillips, which feels <laughs> a little more like a, just a regular name. It's yeah. just a funny well, choice. His, his fake name needs to be like really uh, uh, unremarkable, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, Felicia was like, I can't marry you. And Hobgoblin or Jason is basically like, well, you got to marry me or I got to kill you. <laughs> can't let this get out. <laughs> and as he says that, Green Goblin shows up via, of course, an explosion through the wall. Yeah. So Green Goblin has found him. Green, Hobgoblin never gets away from Green Goblin for very long. Green it's Goblin so like has his number and and <laughs> is right there yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, because well, you know he, Green Goblin is Norman, and Norman is like the one person who knew mm-hmm. who Hobgoblin was. I think that's really clever, actually. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. Good. So Green Goblin quickly overpowers Jason, uh, takes the accelerator, opens a portal, and demands that Jason and Felicia. Uh, get into the portal or follow him into the portal. And Jason's like, well, I, we, no, we can't do that. It's running out of power. We could end up trapped in limbo. But Goblin's like, I don't give a shit. Get in there. So they all get in there. <laughs> and they end up at Oscorp. We, we, lots of these two episodes take place at Oscorp. Lots of those outside shots of Oscorp. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Uh, but they end up at Oscorp where Goblin shares with Jason and Felicia, both of whom are tied up, you guessed it, above a vat of bubbling green chemicals. <laughs> Once again. I almost screamed when I saw that. I was like, Doug's going to uh, blow a blood vessel. <laughs> I'm telling you, just literally change the color once. <laughs> Or anything else. <laughs> How will you know it's a dangerous chemical if it's not green? It's not green and bubbling. If it's red, you'd think it was like blood or lava. If it's blue, you'd think, you'd think it's hot water. If it's so orange, like, you'd think it's soda. Yeah. So like it's got to be green. I guess so. It's the only color. It's the only color they could possibly use. <laughs> uh, well, they're they're hanging over this vat of bubbling green chemicals. And he he tells them that he's on a mission to destroy all of Norman's enemies. And this will be a thing that we hear a lot about from Green Goblin, this idea that now that they're like very separate entities, basically, um, that Green Goblin is protecting Norman and trying to give Norman sort of the easiest path to success by eliminating all obstacles in the form of, quote, enemies. Yeah. (laughs) So Spider-Man arrives... Goblin begins to lower the two into the vat and uses a portal to grab Spider-Man and dangle him over the vat. So everybody dangling over the vat. Yep. <laughs> Love a vat. So, you know, using that big old brain of his, Spider-Man knocks Green Goblin and himself back through the portal and saves Jason and Felicia when Goblin inevitably transports them back through another. So that's just portal bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Goblin, real mistake here. If your goal was to kill those two, should have teleported y'all back to literally anywhere else uh-huh yep yep spider-man kind of fucked up yeah so you know he uses uh uh one of goblin's razor bats to or spider-man i should say uses one of goblin's razor bats to damage the accelerator this is fucking weird it's i don't like this okay this is very confusing he's like spider-man just throws a razor bat at the machine says i've destroyed it for good even though it like looks fine you just like mm-hmm. threw a piece of metal at it um, and then Goblin uses it anyway. It still works. Obviously didn't destroy it for good. And then Spidey's like, no, but it's too low on power. 
wait, I thought you destroyed it for good. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Just so delete the destroyed it for good line. Like, I don't understand right. that. And also, like, I guess you didn't do anything because the problem now is that it's low on power. Not that there was damage to it at all. I don't know. It was it's already confusing. low on power. Yeah. That, that, also, that's been a threat this entire wait, episode wait, that it's low on wait, power. Wait, hold on. Did he not just get a new battery in the form of the last battery? It's really fucking confusing. Honestly, all of it. Because because uh, the impetus for Hobgoblin going to Fisk in the first place is that it's too low on power. They've been using the shit out of it. So clearly they got he got that from Fisk so they could do this heist. Why is it low on power again? Does it just well, not? Okay. I mean, I guess they've been maybe using this, it a maybe lot. Wait, so wait, wait. He went to Fisk because Fisk shut down production of the batteries. There was one battery left. Oh, So it's possible shit. that he had the one battery and was using the shit out of it, but mm. production of the batteries hasn't started yet because he needed to make it worth Fisk's while. Okay. But then how does Spider-Man know that? I don't know. <laughs> I guess he doesn't know anything, and that's why he's just saying, I destroyed it for good, right? Oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it looks like it's too low on power, so you shouldn't go through there. Like, Everybody knows that portals get lightning-y when they're low on power. <laughs> right, right. It's common knowledge among the scientific community. <laughs> of course, yeah. As Peter learned from famous neogenics pr- scientist uh, Dr. Connors, <laughs> who taught him all about this portal. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Scientists know science, okay? Jesus Christ, uh, I love it. Love this shitty techno babble on this show. <laughs> it's endearing. It's very endearing. It doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense no. ever at any point. No, <laughs> not once. And that's why we love comic book shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, despite despite Spider Man, you know basically saying like you can't go through there it's it's low on power and maybe destroyed and low on power green goblin's (laughs) like fuck it i don't care going through this portal and risking being trapped forever is favorable to being defeated by you spider-man um which makes sense especially after spider-man said such dumb shit Yeah. yeah so felicia this gives felicia an opportunity to confront jason and she's like, why did you do all this? Why did you become the Hobgoblin? Why did you get entrenched in crime? This to me is actually very interesting because yes. this is a theme that we have seen in this season with other characters in a more explicit way, but sets it up so that this does make sense if you've been watching the whole way, right? Mm-hmm. So Jason basically says like, the reason I turned to crime, the reason I became Hobgoblin is because I had nothing anyway. So like, wh- who? Yeah. This, was, this was how I got anything. This is how I got money this is how i got food this is how i got shelter this is how i got you this is how i became rich this is how anybody knows who i am Mm -hmm. i had nothing before so why not which we have sort of seen this show explore right this idea that like some people are oppressed by the system and feel like they have nothing else to do other than turn to crime or activity that society deems wrong you know it's just interesting that it's him in this case because it wasn't like the big like a big piece right. of his story or anything. It just was like kind of a thing that they've already set up as something this show is willing to explore. So you kind of get it a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he's set apart from like when it's happened before. Cause for one, like he's a white guy and it's like gone great for him up yeah. until now. And also, but also I think what sets him apart from previous characters is that like, He's very clearly like meant to be a sociopath like this. Right. They even like have it like, did you really love me? And he's like, 
well, I loved things about you, like your wealth and oh your my beauty gosh, and your refinement. Jason. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so it's very clear that like this dude doesn't even, it probably isn't even capable yeah. of love. He doesn't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, so that, I, that's why he's like not really, he's not a tragic villain at all in the way that other characters who have sort of had a similar backstory are, where it's like, yeah, he had nothing to turn to a life of crime, but also... Even if he had stuff, he probably still would have been a shitty human being. Oh, yeah. No, he still would have been a bad person. (laughs) I mean, their circumstances being similar or their views on their circumstances being similar is what I should say. Yeah, yeah. um, Doesn't make like that doesn't make you good or bad. Right. Right. It's like what you do with it. Right. And in his case, yeah, he he was already a shitty person. That's that's baked into him. Exactly. The other characters we've explored this through are not shitty people. And that's what made their stories interesting. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so but, go ahead. he does say you know he mentions all these things that he had he mentions he had everything he mentions felicia he gives that stupid line about like i love these things about you it's wild to me that she says do you even love me did you ever love me and his response isn't yes his response is i love things about you at least wow. he's honest i guess <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but what's funny is like i don't think he i mean unless he's having an ide- like a whole crisis i don't think he is like it's just a it's like it's so matter of fact, which I guess, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyway, it makes sense, but it's just, it's just such a wild thing to hear. Like, oh, but wow, dude. Okay. Yeah. We get it. Message loud and clear. This is also wild because Felicia is then like, nothing you just said is love. Like, you don't know what love is. I know what love is. I've experienced true love. Oh, honey. And then she looks at Spider Man. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Oh, indeed. Honey. Babe, sweet. Sweetie, Mary, like, come on. Love you, girl, but mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Please. gotta work on that. Gotta work mm. on that. Please love yourself more than this. <laughs> oh, poor Felicia. <laughs> it's just, oh no. That's what I was referring to earlier. It's just so wild that Spider Man and Felicia believe they love each other. Oh like, God, I know. It, it, I guess it is sort of notable that she says true love because if you want to give a lot of credit to the writers who know that this is ridiculous, mm-hmm. specifically using the phrase true love could be significant because I think true love often refers to like fairy tale ridiculous love yeah. of like love at first sight where it's like, excuse me. Yeah. You know, you, we saw Frozen do this much more recently, right? Where it was like, that's not, that's not a th- stop stop it yeah and she is sort of like her view on love with spider-man specifically as a very fan like i've been saying like romance novel slash like fairy tale kind of view on love which is like nice and 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 nice and and like romanticized and stuff but like not doesn't really fly in real life unfortunately Mm -hmm. sweetheart (laughs) felicia needs to felicia needs to say bye felicia to those felicia feelings that she's having right now (laughs) nailed it those Felicia's. Those Felicia's. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> does she have any girlfriends? It doesn't seem like she has any friends at all, honestly, doesn't it? Like, she never yeah. hangs out with anybody. That's a good point. Except occasionally Peter Parker, who, like, she has a kind of a weird relationship with. And, like, we've seen other people at her party. Like, Flash came to her party early yeah. on in the show. But, like, when has she ever hung out with him? Like, yeah. I don't know if she has any friends. I don't think she I think she just needs some girls and some gays to be like, dude, come on. I'm always bummed that she and Mary Jane, like, never had any uh, kind of friendship. 
Like, I think that that would, like, I, 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 I like the idea that they're from very different worlds, right? So it's like they, their really only connection is through Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. But I wish they sort of would have used that a little bit and let them, like, forge some kind of Betty and Veronica yeah. friendship, you know? I mean, because, like, Gwen and Mary Jane in the comics did, and they're obviously modeling the Felicia-Mary Jane dynamic off of that a lot for this show. So yeah. it's it's actually kind of odd that they never really did that. Like, they barely ever interact it, interact at all. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is, that is really weird, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she would have benefited from being friends with Mary Jane. Most people would. Honestly. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I guess the upside is that we didn't see them like fighting over Peter t- or anything. Yeah. So yeah, I will sure say that's what the, sh- the show would have done. I, I recently picked back up my, my working through the comics, you know, and I'm very, mm-hmm. very much at the like Gwen and Mary Jane always together, always constantly like vying for Peter's attention. And it's like, it's not like nasty or anything, but it's just sort of like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> This is so heavy. <laughs> Where they're like friends, but more like frenemies because they're like in competition. It's like, ooh. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm like not used to it. <laughs> it's like that kind of stuff can be fun if it's done well, but it most of the time is not. Most of the time <laughs> isn't. And like they're, you know, they're a more fun version of it than it could be for sure because they're fun yeah. characters. But yeah. Oof. Well, shortly after, Spider-Man and Felicia watch as the police apprehend Jason, and Felicia cries as she compares herself to, get this, a black cat who brings bad luck into the lives of everyone she crosses paths with. Huh. What a weird thing to say. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I will say... Shows never drop that anvil until now, so props for waiting until the end of the third season to do it. Yeah, um, well, I mean, uh, so. it is it is a testament. This, I mean, this whole season has been, but I think the back half of this season especially has really been a testament to how well and how quickly they've been figuring out the syndication aspect of, not syndication. Um, serialization? Yes, to how well they've been figuring out the serialization aspect of their storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that the Jason Hobgoblin thing actually was a successfully pulled off reveal the mm-hmm. fact that we're getting some of these hints dropped along the way for things that we may or may not know are coming, but in our yeah. case, we know we're coming. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly not going to happen this season. Spoiler alert for next week. Um, <laughs> clearly not going to happen this season is very cool because it means that they're mm-hmm. waiting a whole season to actually, fo- at least to follow up on that. Yeah. Fun stuff. I dig it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, the episode ends at Oscorp again, back at Oscorp, where a Green Goblin vows to fix the time dilation accelerator and show all of Norman's enemies what a real goblin can do. A real goblin. <laughs> yeah. So got a couple faces of the episode for this one. I don't know. I don't remember if we like explicitly mentioned it, but there's there's a bit early on before, you know, when Hobgoblin realizes that the time dilation accelerator is low on power and he realizes it because like when he tries to 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 go through it, it closes on his cape and rips rips a piece of his cape off. And he's like, oh, God, it could have been an arm or a leg. But he makes a lot of really good facial expressions during that <laughs> scene. Yeah. Um, and the one that I grabbed was just like him at his most like distraught. And it looks I mean. In the episode, he's talking about losing an arm or a leg, which is a very, like, legit thing to worry about in that scenario. But if you pull the frame out of context, it looks like he is just extremely upset about tearing his pretty orange cape. 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then it's magically fixed for the rest of the episode. Uh, uh, yep. <laughs> he had another one. But he's a sad boy. Well, he did actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we saw his second costume in his secret lair. <laughs> Silly <actually>. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other one I got, even though we don't get much of any Jameson, I really like the weird, un- spontaneous underbite that he gets when he's mad at Peter walking away from him while he's talking. It's a really unfortunate face you're making here, Jonah. Very unfortunate, like teeth clenched, like gritting teeth <laughs> face. Very strange, and they yeah. kind of sit on it for a second. One uh, eye's you know, like popping out. The other one's like, <laughs> you know, grimacing. Or yeah. Grimacing, squinting, whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> Oi. Yeah. I, I really, I dig this episode. I think it's a really, I, too. I think it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is I, I'm surprised at how much I like it. Because knowing that there were two goblins in it, I was like, this has some potential to be pure chaos. Uh-huh. Um, and aside from their one battle, it wasn't. It was actually really, really good stuff. Yeah. 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 No, I fully agree. Yeah. It's not, it's not as this show can be, can be actually, I will say this season has been a lot better with managing the chaos than -hmm. it has been in the past. I think we've commented on that a few times that points when it felt like it was getting really chaotic or would be, it's sort of like, I actually handled that pretty well. And this episode is another instance of it where it's like, there's the one kind of incomprehensible battle, but it's not like the bullshit we got last last season with like tablet of time and like uh oh god and i don't know some of some of i think some of the morbius stuff was like it the time mysterio mistakenly manifested magical mistletoe and everything went to shit that was a lot um that was a lot uh although you know would have been fun if we got that christmas episode uh oh my gosh that would have turned out perfectly during christmas yeah oh well but yeah but yeah no i think this episode handles the chaos of it really well and God, I really liked a Hobgoblin episode finally in what might be his last appearance in the show. Actually. Oh, weird. It's like really remember. when they <laughs> tried to write an episode with him that didn't suck, they wrote an episode with him that didn't suck. Yeah. Wild shit. Weird. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it too. Did you did you remember, aside from details, did you remember feelings about this episode? Like going into rewatching it, were you... You said that you kind of knew when you when you made that comment, but whenever you were going back to rewatch it, mm-hmm. were you like, "Oh, I remember this being a good one," or "I remember this being a bad one," or was it just? I remember the Jason reveal being good in how well it's okay. like how well it worked into the season, but I didn't remember if this episode was good or not. And I think part of it is because it is very overshadowed by the episode after it, because the the episode ne- that we're going to talk about next week is 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 probably one of my favorite episodes of all time, and is also like a very heavy episode. Mm-hmm. So like I think it's it's always hard, and and but it's also like come playing off right out of this one. So it's hard to not think of the two in conjunction. And when you compare the two, I feel like this is sort of the lesser one of the two, obviously, Um, or at least in, in, maybe not obviously, at least to me, it sort of was only because of, you know, whatever we'll talk about it next week. But like, (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that like, so I think I didn't, I just never really thought that deeply about this one. And I think what was different going into it this time was having all of the hobgoblin context, of the last couple of years that I've never, that I never would have given a thought to watching the show otherwise, other than not caring about the hobgoblin that much. Um, and I think now seeing it, knowing what we know about the struggles with the hobgoblin that, that they had when writing this show, I think makes it even more fascinating and exciting that like, Oh yeah, y'all can do hobgoblin well when you are committed to doing a a good hobgoblin. Shocking. Yeah. I always had faith. I just was being hard on him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you could have. 
And this is the proof <laughs> that I'm right. <laughs> right. Like, because I don't know why I'm fighting with John Semper for some reason. <laughs> Get on this podcast so we can argue with him. Let's f- debate me, wrong. coward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Well, if you want to hear us debate cowards, you can do that Jeez. on Patreon. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> nope. <laughs> We've never debated cowards or anyone for that matter. No, I can't um, debate worth shit anyway, even if I wanted to be that kind of <laughs> asshole. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go to our Patreon. If you want more stuff from us, that's the best place to start and really the only place where we put extra stuff. So, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers and be sure to check out our Discord. Should be a link in the show notes, but if you can't find it, just let us know. Um, we're all over the place, though. If you would like to find us individually, uh, Derek, where can people find you and the things that you are working on? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a Pokemon podcast called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, and Novel Gaming, which is a books and games podcast that I do with my friends Vicky and Katie. If you'd like more from Derek and me talking about something other than Spider-Man, you can check out our monthly podcast called Falling with Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode, our very good episode, I might add, um, on Inside Out is out now. I really, really, if you've never listened to any of our Falling with Style stuff, at least listen to that one because it was a really, really cool conversation. Absolutely one of my favorites that we've ever done, honestly, of either podcast. Yeah, really good stuff. Um, (laughs) So check that out. Uh, You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com for a full archive of everything Derek and I are working on together. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email the podcast at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, somebody else will too. And those ratings and reviews make us much more easier to, f- much more easier, mm-hmm. much more easy uh, to find next week. The season comes to a tragic conclusion. I can't believe we're already here. I know. Uh, in the episode Turning Point. Oh boy. We'll see you then. See ya. Bye. Bye.